Father God, having focused already on you and this time of fasting and this time of harvesting that you have called us to and that you have promised, we come to your word and ask that you would give us wisdom and grace for each new day that we would be walking in you, living according to you. We fail and falter so often, Lord, and we ask for your forgiveness for that. We praise you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Even when we are faithless, your word says you remain faithful. But we would be faithful, Lord. We desire to be faithful. Make us faithful. Cleanse us from sin and unrighteousness. Fill us with your word and guide us by your spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And bless the preaching of the word. In coming weeks, I want to talk to you about the glow of harvest. That's what I'm going to talk about today. And it's a brief message, I assure you. And then in a couple of weeks, as I mentioned, I'm going to talk to you about the foe of harvest. And then there is a particular grow of harvest that I want to talk to us about and a go of harvest. Now these teaching points are going to be about focusing in, zeroing in on what harvest really means. And I've already begun to touch on some of it. So today, I want to talk to you about where harvest begins. Harvest begins with God. All things begin with God. God is the Lord of the harvest. And harvest is good. We forget, because we are divorced from the land by our modern society in so many ways, we forget how hard it is, or we may, to bring forth something good from the ground. It is hard work. It's particularly hard work. It causes us to sweat and toil. And like I said, there are thorns and there are weeds because there is sin. You know, if you have started reading through the Bible again, perhaps this year, and if you haven't, I'm going to encourage you to choose a way to read regularly in the Bible each day. Have a strategy or a plan for it. Again, I recommend to you that there are many different Bible apps. You can go to Uversion. You can find other Bible apps. I like Uversion. I use Blue Letter Bible. There's all kinds of online and, and app resources. So if you're a person who, you know, you, this is your operating tool, then you can have the Bible in its entirety in here and you can have a reading plan in here. But maybe you're a traditionalist and you like a nice bound book. Go to Amazon or go to Barnes & Noble and buy a Bible and look up one that has a reading plan. Most Bibles have reading plans in them. You can also go online and find a reading plan that you use with your physical Bible. Or, you know, I'm a big fan of the one-year Bible. You can look that up on Amazon or go to uh, Barnes & Noble and look for that. The one-year Bible in all kinds of translations, and it provides daily reading plans. Now, I do think it's a great thing to read through the Bible in its entirety. You can read the whole Bible with a bit of effort, but without, you know, completely uh, upending your daily routine. You can read the whole thing in about three months. It's a, it, it requires a, a solid um, uh, intention to do that, but it can be done. It's a lot easier to read it in a year. And it's really not hard to read it in a year at all. I mean, with, with probably not more than about uh, 15 to 20 minutes of reading a day, you could easily read through the entire Bible in a year. Every believer should read the Bible cover to cover. There's no reason not to. And there's every reason to do it. But I also want to say there's lots of other ways to read the Bible too. And maybe if you're somebody who's already read the Bible from cover to cover, the Lord is impressing upon you that there's some, some opportunities to go deeper in the word from a different direction. Maybe take 30 days and do an intense study of Proverbs 
Or maybe you want to read through the New Testament this year. Go a little slower, but go deeper. There's all kinds of different things you could do. Maybe you want to go into one of these apps and find different Bible plans that have you focus on prophecy or, or have you focus on uh, um, fruitfulness. You can probably find plans for harvest. But find something that you're going to do that involves being engaged with the word and do it every day or at least more often than not. The thing about doing something every day is it becomes a routine in as little as about four weeks. It really only takes about 30 days to take something from being, I don't do that regularly, to I do it every day. You know, that, that's, that's been statistically evidenced to be the fact. There's neurological brain science that supports the idea that we actually lay down mental pathways through doing something uh, routinely, regularly, in a daily cycle, that after about 30 days, you have created neural networks that are robust and reliable. You'll be programmed to do that. Have you ever tried waking up at the same time every day for 30 days? You get to the place where you don't need an alarm clock anymore. I mean, I'm not necessarily saying you should live without it, but you probably can because you've programmed your body to do that. But if you try and alter that, it's going to take a while before you get used to it. A lot of people will say, you know, I, I, I'm just, I just can't seem to get into the word, but they, they read for four days or they read once a week for four or five weeks and then it tapered off. You need to get a good bite into it and you need to have a plan and you need to stick to it. And if you miss a day, you missed a day. You don't, you know... <laughs> cover yourself in ashes and sackcloth, you read again the next day. But this reading of the word with regularity and doing so in a way in which you say, I'm really expecting to hear something and I'm listening for something, that's powerful. It produces results and it will become ingrained in you. So I want to encourage you to do that. In the word of God is the seed of harvest and also the instruction for how to go about with harvest. Last week we looked at the handbook of harvest. And today, I want to talk about how there is a way to live each day in the glorious glow of what God has to offer. Psalm 34 is a psalm of David, and in that psalm, he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to talk about how we can rise with God every day and give our morning to him. Now, you don't have to read the Bible in the morning in order to be a good Christian, but I do want to say that each of us should be beginning our day with God. And our days will go better if we do. It doesn't necessarily mean that's your primary Bible time or your primary reading time. It means that the first thing is God. The first thing you think of is God. So rise with God and taste. If you're going to break your fast in the morning, break it with God. Taste of God first and see that he is good. I'm not going to read the entire Psalm 34, but I encourage you to take a look at it today or in the next few days sometime this week and read through it. But this is a time when David had been struggling with, um, with persecution. And he was in enemy territory. And he had to get out of that enemy territory. And God gave him uh, a deliverance out of that enemy territory. And because of that, David was saying, God is good and was rejoicing in him. And David says in verse 5, those who look to God are radiant. They glow. When you look to God for your protection and your deliverance, for your sustenance and your spirit, there is a glow that you harvest from his presence. That's what David says. Their faces will never be covered in shame. This poor man, says David in his humility, he's talking about himself, this poor man called on the Lord and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. 
I can say the same. This poor man did the same. And maybe you, poor man, poor woman, maybe you have done the same. I'm talking about a humility of spirit, a poverty of spirit in which you recognized there was no one else who could help you but Jesus. And you called on Jesus and Jesus helped. And you rejoice in that. That's what David means when he says, taste and see. Give God a chance, he's saying. Bite into God. Taste of who he is and what he's done. In just a few minutes, you're gonna have the chance to literally do this to taste the body and the blood of Jesus and see that he is good because he has given himself for you. And that is the glory of God. Now in Psalm 34, David gives some counsel on how you and I can live in the sweetness of God's goodness. David says, fear the Lord, by which he means revere God, respect him. How can you do that? David says in verse 11, come and I'll show you children. Whoever loves their life and desires to see good days, keep your tongue from evil, keep your lips from telling lies, turn from evil and do good, seek peace and pursue it. God is against those who commit themselves to evil, but God will bring about a harvest for those who commit themselves to God. God is close to the brokenhearted and he will bind them up. God is close to those who are crushed in spirit. He will give them hope and help. The righteous person may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers you from them all. The Lord will rescue his servants. No one who takes refuge in him will be condemned. This is true. And if you're living in him, you experience it. So rise with God in the morning. Say that, rise with God in the morning. One way to experience the glow of harvest, to taste of its rich fruitfulness and to enjoy the sustenance and strength that God gives. Because if you're gonna be a worker in the harvest, you also have to be one who eats of the harvest. And it's the joy of the Lord that gives you strength. It's the sweetness of God that strengthens your spirit. So face the Lord every day. Look to him, that's what Psalm 34 is saying. Thank him. That's what Psalm 34 is saying. That's what Philippians 4 is saying. Don't worry about anything, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving and supplication, put your requests in the hands of God. That's looking to him, thanking him, and calling on him. Here's some practical things that you can do. Give the first five minutes of your day to God. Maybe, even if you're not gonna do your primary Bible reading then, and maybe you will, but even if you're not, maybe have a page a day calendar with the Bible scripture on it and read that first thing. Before you check anything else on your phone, which I thought was here, but it's in my pocket. Before you check the news feed, before you check Facebook or the gram, check the word of God. Put that first. Let it be the filter for everything that comes after. Give those first five minutes to God. Maybe it's just you saying the Lord's Prayer, or maybe it's you just saying, good morning, God, I love you. Maybe it's you just sitting and listening to him, but make sure that your focus is on him. Listen to the Lord. Have a daily practice of contemplating Jesus's presence and cultivate your ear for hearing him. He's speaking to you. When you're reading the word, don't just read the word. I love what Francis Chan said. Beware of, I can't remember the exact quote, but it's essentially beware of the error of reading the word without doing what it says. There are lots of people who can get very good at reading the Bible, but do not apply it. They don't hear it as being anything other than what they think they've already heard. We don't wanna be like that. So lend your ear to the Lord and let his word speak to you. Don't just read the verse, pause and think, what have I read? What is God saying to me? How am I gonna apply this? Take time to rejoice. 
Can I say something that you'll take with you today? Enjoy your life. You say, Pastor, you don't know what my problems are today. Well, guess what, friend, you don't know what my problems are today. But we all have problems. What are you waiting for, to have no problems? Seriously, is that when you're going to have joy? Then you will never have joy in this life. That's true. Let that sink in. You will never have lasting, abiding joy in this life if you are waiting for all your problems to be dealt with. You will have problems as long as you are in this world, thus saith Jesus. But take heart, I've overcome the world, thus saith Jesus. So enjoy your life. Enjoy it. Have fun every day. Not doing evil things, but have fun with God. Put your hope in him. Yes, I don't know what your problems are, but he does. And what David says is, if you've got problems, call on him. But do it with joy. Rejoice in the Lord always, says Paul. Again, I'll say rejoice. The Lord impressed upon me once again afresh this week that it is so important to give thanks to him just for being alive. If you've got problems, they're not bigger than him and he can help you solve them. But enjoy your time because this is the time you have. Yes, we believe in eternity and we look forward to it, but there's something precious about these days. There is something valuable about this time in our lives. And we want to allow the Lord to make our lives what he intends them to be. So don't be so worried about scratching for what you need and reaching out for what you want. Put your focus on God. Find your joy in him and that will be your strength. Relish what you already have. You already have everything you need for good and godly living, according to 2 Peter. Enjoy it. Having begun your day with God, go with him like that. Jesus said, and it's a worthy verse for us to remember as we come to fasting and as we're about to dine on the body and blood of Christ, that we are to hunger and thirst for righteousness. And there is none righteous, no, not one, except God. So to hunger and thirst for righteousness is to hunger and thirst for God. And to hunger and thirst for God is to hunger and thirst for Jesus Christ, who is the very living God in our midst. Emmanuel, God with us. And you'll be blessed as you hunger for him. Makirios is the Greek word. It means not just that you'll be happy or that you get a good thing. It means that you'll be enriched. You'll have a harvest when you hunger for the Lord. Turn to another person and say, you'll have a harvest when you hunger for the Lord. To really face God is to face a fearful God. That's an old-fashioned way of saying, our God is an awesome God. He is not to be trifled with. The fact that he allows us to come close to him is astonishing, but we won't properly value that unless we remember how holy he is how righteous he is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But this is not fear that says quaking and shaking knees and shameful eyes. But rather, this is the fear of the Lord that regards God for who he is and reveres him for what he's done and trusts him so that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and receive from him. Psalm 34:11 says that he would teach us, David would teach us through the psalm, through the word of God, by the spirit, how to have this kind of an attitude. And what he says is avoid evil and avoid lying. 
it's a good reminder for all of us. It's so easy to slip into the ways of the world. It's so easy to slip into manipulating things for our own agenda or ends. But the Lord says that out of the, uh, the uh, heart, the mouth speaks. The word says that a little thing like a, a tongue is a, 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 like the rudder of a ship. It's small, but it can steer us in mighty directions. And the whole ship follows along. It's like the little flame of a forest fire, a spark from a candle that starts a roaring, burning uh, flame. And so our mouths have power. And when we speak, we should speak in a way that avoids dishonesty and that avoids evil. We should pursue peace. Let's pray for peace in our world this week, especially we've been reminded that there are dangers in the world and uh, there are tensions in the world and they're not easily answered or solved. But one thing is necessary for sure, prayer. Let the people of God pray. Let's pray for peace in the Middle East. Let's pray for the peace of Jerusalem and of Israel as the Lord commands us. Let's pray that there would not be bloodshed or warfare between Iran and the United States. Let's pray that there would not be bloodshed or warfare between North Korea and the United States or between any two nations on earth. Let's pray, as you may have been reading about the relationship that is sadly uh, souring between the United States and the Philippines, let's pray that there would be good relationship between the United States and the Philippines, that we would be friends and not enemies, that we would be partners and not divided. Let us pray for peace among all the nations. It doesn't mean peace at any cost. It doesn't mean we ignore real risks or dangers. It doesn't mean that we turn a blind eye to unrighteousness, but we can pray for peace. And how about in our own lives? Peace in our homes, peace in our marriages, with our children, in our workplace. Take refuge in God. The reality is trouble comes. The reality is there is strife, there is conflict. The reality is God is greater. Greater is he who is in you than that little fox that's trying to spoil the vineyard. Greater is the spirit of God than the spirit of the world. So put yourself in his hands. Take shelter under his wings. If you have a day where you feel the world is coming down on you, go find a place to crawl into the lap of Father God. Find the place in the word that speaks to your need. Find the scripture that reminds you of the promise. Listen to the spirit who assures you of salvation. Look to Jesus who experienced every kind of hardship that you or I could face and knows exactly what it is that we are dealing with and has experienced it much himself and can give us a place of refuge to guide, to provide, to preserve and enable us to persevere. Go all day with God. And as you come to the end of each day, let God be the bookend of your day. Amen. You who rose with him, go to rest with him. First Peter 2, 1 through 3 says, rid yourselves of malice and deceit and crave pure spiritual milk, crave the spirit. It's the same thing that uh, David was saying in Psalm 34. In order to fear the Lord and feast on him, turn away from evil and from divisions and from strife and turn into the goodness of God. Because God is the one who will feed you to grow you up in his spirit. Now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. That is what you'll see in 1 Peter 2, an affirmation of that same notion of Psalm 34. In fact, I think it's certain that Peter, by the Spirit, had Psalm 34 in mind when he was writing these words to the early church. You've tasted that the Lord is good. So also have you. God's been there for you. I'm going to ask if those who are serving communion would bring the table before us.
as this table of the Lord's presence comes before us, you have an opportunity to feast on the Lord and rest in him. It's not just the way that you can end every day, although it is a good thing to do. I'm not saying necessarily take communion every day, but what I mean is at the conclusion of each day, remind yourself of how God took care of you that day. Before you go to sleep, think of God. Give him thanks for what he's done. And if it's a day where you think there's not one good thing that I can give thanks to God for, uh, think of this. He let you live to see the end of the day. And tomorrow is a new day. And he who let you live, he himself died. So that not only would you see the end of the day, but that you also would live to see a new day. A new day in the Lord. God's word is bread. The scriptures will feed you each day. Let what he says nourish your life. And let go of what other people say. Let go of those other voices, the news feeds and the social media tweets, or your neighbors or your whomever is the voice that's tearing you down. Don't focus on that. Focus on the word of the Lord. Because, you know, there's bread here for you and I, but we don't live just by bread alone. We live by the word of God. And what Jesus said about this bread is, this is my body given for you. The bread is going to come to you. I ask that as the bread and the cup come to you, you would hold your portion until all have been served and then we will partake together. God's spirit is that mother's milk. Come and lean on his breast. Come close to him. Let the heartbeat of his heart be in your ear and let him flow his spirit into you. God's blood is life. His sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, cleanses you from the inside out. Here is a feast from the Father given through the sacrifice of the Son and proved through the presence of the Spirit. Let's prayerfully focus on the Lord as each receives 